Sapphire wasn't supposed to be our dog. I saw her on the website for the rescue where we'd gotten our cats. It's hard not to notice a dog with jet black fur and bright blue soulful eyes. Then I noticed her paralyzed leg. I've long had a soft spot for disabled dogs, but we were in the process of closing on our first house and weren't ready for a new pet. Still, I volunteered to raise money for her vet care, raised $50, and took the donation to the shelter. Then I made the mistake of agreeing to meet her. She was 27 pounds at the time, about half of her current weight. She saw me, hobbled over, and when I sat down, crawled into my lap and refused to leave. When we returned to the car, my wife recognized the look on my face immediately. We're in trouble, aren't we? I asked. Yes, she replied, I think we are. We were rewarded with the most empathetic and considerate dog I've ever met. It takes her some time to warm up to strangers, but once she does, she adores you. My wife and I, our two cats, the guinea pig, the dog next door. I've even seen her nose to nose with a wild rabbit in the backyard. This dog is a goddamn Disney princess. For Sapphire, everyone is a friend. Put a pin in that, it'll be important later. Sapphire proved a nice respite from the money pit we found ourselves locked into. It took a few days for things the home inspectors assured us were in good condition to start causing problems. Some, like the hot water tank and plumbing issues, made sense. Others did not. About two weeks into our time at the house, my wife called me at work to tell me power had gone out of half of the house. We called an electrician and eventually traced the problem to an outlet in the hall next to the room that served as my office. It's not the last time something strange will happen in this part of the house. Light bulbs burn out every few months, no matter how long of a life they're rated for. Even stranger was the day one of the AC vent covers and the floorboard literally flew off and landed a foot or two away. The AC wasn't even going at the time, and we still don't know what happened. Our cats eye suspiciously to this day. At the time, we wrote all of this off as nothing more than a poor real estate choice. A few weeks ago, however, things changed. My wife and I now work an overnight shift, so we're awake and active during the evenings. That's why I found myself leaving in the living room at 2 in the morning when I heard a buzzing. Son of a bitch, did another wasp get into the house? I stood up, and the buzzing stopped. Instead, I heard something else. A distinctive sound at the window. Tap. 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 A pause. A few times more, and it stopped. My wife and I tore the living room apart, certain we'd find some kind of insect zooming around, trying to get back outside, but we found nothing. About an hour later, I started on dinner. Yes, graveyard shift job means I make meals at oh shit o'clock on a regular basis. I usually let Sapphire out when I start on dinner so she can get the important job of rolling around and tracking grass in the house. When I let her back in, she looked more excited than usual. I'd no sooner returned to the kitchen counter when I turned and saw why she was so happy. A pair of eyes stared at me through the back window. They belonged to an absolutely massive dog who stood by the back window with white fur that gleamed in the pale moonlight. Yes, there was quite possibly an actual bitch in white. I snatched a flashlight and ran to the back door, but the mystery dog was gone, completely vanished. There were no gaps in our fence, the gate was secure, our neighbors moved away with their huge husky a few months prior, and this was most certainly not a husky. My wife missed the commotion, and I chalked the whole thing up to a tag team of a lack of sleep 
and an overactive imagination. At least I did until the next morning. You're not crazy, my wife announced as she came back inside from doing some early morning yard work. Now this is always a positive thing to hear, but I needed more specifics. That's when we went outside and she showed me a large paw print in the mud near our water spigot. Not only was the paw print too large to belong to Sapphire, but the tracks also lacked the distinctive drag marks on a paralyzed leg. Something had been in the backyard. The appearance of what we dubbed the ghost dog became the tip of the iceberg of weird occurrences in the house, almost all of them centered around the same spot in the hall where the outlet shorted before. First, one of the framed pictures on the wall fell in the middle of the day. The hanger it had been on looked like it had been cut in half. A few days later, I awoke to discover the dome that covered the hall light smashed on the ground. This is the type of cover you screw in place, and it hadn't fallen off or broken. The fastening piece lay on the ground next to it, completely intact. Somehow, it had been unscrewed. Since then, Sapphire has spent an awful lot of time in that hallway, even when we're in the living room, sometimes even when we're eating, which is strange for an unapologetic beggar with a perfectly honed, sulky face. Then again, there are all kinds of stories about dogs with blue eyes like hers. More than once, I've wondered if she sees something we can't. To cap things off, the white dog made a second appearance not long after all of this, having a staring contest with our older cat before once again vanishing. We've asked our neighbors, and no one near our house owns a dog that matches the description. Maybe the dog is an expert fence jumper and doesn't want to get caught on its nightly rounds. Still, I'm feeling a little tempted to look further into the history of the house. I wonder if maybe, just maybe, the previous owners had a big white dog that called that yard home and liked it too much to ever leave completely. I don't think I mind if that's the case. Every so often, Sapphire will be more excited than usual to go outside, and I like the idea that she's found a friend to play with. Best of all, we don't have to pay for the extra kibble. Hi, I'm Jamie Markey. And I'm Michael Tatum. And this... Cool intentions. Cool intentions. That was such a great story. Who wrote that? That was from Stephen. Stephen, thank you. A literal bitch in white. Literal bitch in white. That's. I like ghosts. Incredible. If they're friendly. Friendly Friendly ghost. Friendly ghost pets are really nice. But even then, we're still huge fans of church grims, and they're not necessarily nice. (laughs) So there's that. I guess they're nice if you're buried there. Because they're kind of guardians, yeah, that's true. right? So it's like, you know, keeps the kids out. Yeah, if you're a, <laughs> a ruffian type, they're huh? not nice to you. Ruffian. A ruffian. A ruffian. I love it. Oh, uh, how have you been? Good. How's your week going? It's good. Yeah, yeah. We had a little move of the the I studio. Oh, it's so nice slash in here. office. This is great. I Thank you. fucking love this setup. So the way it used to be is there is this uh, sofa along the wall, and then there was a chair, and then we had these two little end tables, mm-hmm. and um, the end tables would hold the microphones and our <laughs> and our the laptop, and then I would sit on the couch and talk, and you would sit on the chair and talk, and we were I don't know. It was ten feet admirably homespun. It was homespun. It, <laughs> it was, was just like let's was, just fucking do some yeah. microphones and record some shit. It was like a slumber party just with microphones. Like we were practically in. Like it's, now it's even better because now it's kind of like we're in a pillow fort. We are. Yes. <laughs> so now we have a lot more sound. It's the uh, best way to tell a stuff. ghost story. That's right. 
That's what we should, we actually should. That's an idea. Oh my God, Jamie, let's make the studio and like, let's redecorate at some point down the road. Yeah. Let's, let's augment what you've done in here with like actual pillows to make it look like just a like, pillow ooh. fort. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll keep flashlights at the ready. <laughs> just of so we course. Can, we're telling our story. Just, I mean, that's, they the, won't, they won't hear the difference, but The eternal we'll know. mom in me is like, that would be so many allergens. Like, I don't. <laughs> So many I thought you were going to say the eternal mom in me is like, go to bed. Right. Go to bed. Stop. <laughs> what if I just get blackout curtains instead? Oh, blackout curtains are the best. Yeah. Oh, my God. I We have them in the bedroom. I could have them in here. And then it'll always be dark whenever we're recording. Brandon and I are about to move uh, into a new apartment. Yes. And the best thing about it is that there's only one tiny window in the master bedroom that is nice. easily covered yeah. by a blackout curtain. Because the bedroom we have now, it's lovely. I love everything about it, except that it faces east and takes mm -hmm. up the entire fucking wall. So it's impossible. You can't cover all of it. It's right. impossible. Without making it look like, you know, I saw the shit. blackout curtain... Um, uh, curtain rods mm -hmm. so they curve around so you can curve it all the way around to cut the sides because ours is possibly stapled into the side <laughs> oh yeah no we've done that we've yeah. like yeah it's <laughs> we had the we bought curtain rods for this one window uh, in our current bedroom and the they they're just long enough mm -hmm. just long enough when they're stretched all to their that at capacity they're just long enough to hold um the curtains right and it's funny because they're just they kind of they bow in the middle because they're not really and so it looks super fucking ratchet it's yeah. our bedroom is lovely but that one wall with the window just looks like i don't know it looks like you should pull it's the janky wall it's our janky wall. All right. It's our janky right. wall. And we've had a janky wall in air because Brandon has to have total darkness to sleep. Yeah. He's allergic to light, we've decided. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Makes sense. Not a big fan he of it. He has to have a weakness. Just one. He has hyperhidrosis. What does that mean? He sweats a lot. <laughs> you just said that on a podcast. Everybody now knows he sweats. What? He'll tell you. Like it's a thing. It's what is how do you know if it's a lot? What's a lot? How what's sweating a lot? I don't I don't know. I I I I've asked him this question. He's like it's just a lot. Like when I was in high school, this is my Brandon impression. When I was in high school, like I would just get stains in my armpits like all the time even when I wasn't really active. And I'm like, okay. He's like, it's called, and he does it in like a really cute little voice. He's like, I have hyperhidrosis. <laughs> <laughs> I give him so much shit for it. And now he's also allergic to light. Oh. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Right. He did go to the, the doctor recently and, uh, oh, that was my hand. It was. <laughs> no, don't knock on things. Ah, um, <laughs> Unless it's three times. You. Oh, there we go. There we go. Um, <laughs> No, but uh, yeah, like he's he's very sensitive to light. Like his eyes are, um, like he has he's got to wear these special contact lenses that I know they're that, so cool. Uh, they turn like transition. lavender. It's so badass. It's really cool. Makes him look like a witch. He is kind of a witch. He, that he, would he explain all is. of his powers. It he really would. Numerous powers. He's a vampire witch. He is. I know what's, how to pick him. You do. You do. <laughs> what is that? What's our title? Oh, our title today, because we're both doing stuff about Vegas, we decided we'd, we'd shunt on over from Chicago to the other side yes. of the country and do Las Vegas. That's right. Um, home of the Flying Elvises. Yes. Uh, we are calling this episode Last Call, which right. is uh, a novel, the title of a novel by Tim Powers, who's one of my favorite fantasy slash sci-fi authors. And um, Last Call is all about Vegas and some of the supernatural underpinnings right. of said town. And uh, I'll talk a little bit about it in my 
episode or yeah. my my segment because it plays into uh, the person I'll be talking about today. But what are you gonna? What are where are you taking us in well, today? I'm. You're talking about Elvis, real quick sidebar. Uh huh. I once went to an Elvis impersonation show. As you do. Because I met the impersonator at a bar. As you do. And I went with his friend who was also an Elvis impersonator. <laughs> yes. Because that's the kind of shit that happens in Vegas. And then I sat in the, I met him at a bar and we were just talking and somebody came up and was hitting on me or whatever. And we had just been chit-chatting about life. Like we both knew we were in entertainment and uh-huh. that was it. We didn't go into it any further. And so... This That's guy came how up you to know me. the other person's a performer. Yeah. They don't really press you for details. They yeah. go, "Oh, you're you're oh yeah, you're one of us." So sorry. Yeah, yeah. Let's have a drink. Yep, exactly. And I knew he worked for the hotel, and he was really nice, good-looking guy too, really nice. Yeah. Um, but uh, somebody came over and they were hitting on me, and I was at a convention, so it was somebody who was attending the convention, and he was he was really nice. I think his name is Trey, and he was like, "Hey, uh, I was here first, man." And he already knew that I was in a relationship with someone. I knew he was married. And so, but it was just really nice of him to like step up and thwart that, that interruption. And so. Elvis will not leave the building. He will until not. Until he knows you're okay. That's right. I really appreciated it. Um, so I was like, thank you. And he was like, yeah, whatever I can do. So we talked. <laughs> and then I think the next day we saw each other again at the same bar. And he was like, yeah, I come have a drink before I perform. I was like, what? What do? what is your show? He's like, oh, I do Elvis. I was like what? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> he was like, no. And he's like, do you want to come to my show tonight? I have a couple friends going. That's and he said, so the other guy was an Elvis impersonator. And I was like, uh, I absolutely have to go see an Elvis impersonator with another Elvis impersonator. He was so good too. It was really great. Oh, and at the end, awesome. he gave me his sash. It was really fun. <gasps> oh. His Elvis sash. And then I freaked out accordingly like a fan would. In my movie, it was actually Elvis. Right. That he's like hiding in plain sight as a, as an impersonator of himself, of which himself. is how I would do it. Yeah. If so, he looks much better now than he did then. <laughs> <laughs> he found that he's Benjamin Buttoning. Right. That's, yes. Yeah. yeah. But it was because he was a young Elvis. He still did the jumpsuits and stuff, but he was a young oh, Elvis. Yeah. Young it Elvis. It was really was, cool. Oh, young Elvis was, um, was a snack. Yes, mm, very mm, much so. Mm, mm. Um, so okay, that sorry, that was just a side. That was a great, but that's yeah, great. That, that really that, Elvis, that, that uh, so puts us in the mood for Vegas. I know it's weird, <laughs> weird, fun stuff happens because we've both been to Vegas yes. multiple times. And I met a the bartender there had been there forever, and he had great stories about other performers <sighs> that would come in. There is Vegas yeah. is one of those towns. It's one of those American cities that if if you were knocked unconscious where you are right now and magically transported there and just left on the street and you woke up, you, it would take you five seconds to figure out where you were, even if you'd never been there before. Right. Like that it's it's a city with like just a personality all its own that yes. could not possibly confuse. Well, and you can be have confused so with many different place. experiences there, right? You can mm-hmm. go have the Disney you know, experience with your kids. Yep. You can yep. go gamble your life away. You can go gamble <laughs> your life into being. You can, if you're good at it, right? You, you can go watch Thunder from Down Under. You that's can right. go watch Cirque du Soleil. You yeah. can watch Penn and Teller. It's all there. Go ghost hunting. It's you can, there's all there. so much to do. It's all there. Um, so my story uh, is about Bally's. Bally's, okay. So I know very little about Bally's. Bally's and just... Some of the information I got, because I got it all over the place. Uh, Vegasghosts.com, Wikipedia, hauntedrooms.com, Vital Vegas. Vital some Vegas. of the major I like places that. I got my I like story. Okay, so Bally's is it's one of the older hotels on the strip. Mm, it's classic. Um, 
Yeah, it's one of the class older luxury hotels, I guess mm -hmm. you would say. Mm -hmm. uh, it's right in the middle, next to Paris, and across the street from the Bellagio. Mm. So it has, uh, you know, Jubilee. Everybody's heard of Jubilee, the yes. classic um, showgirl show. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. is at Bally's. Okay. So that's what they have. It's often considered one of the most haunted hotels in Las Vegas. Ooh. And when you hear why, you'll be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Because oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had no idea. First, let's talk about the history of Bally's. It opened in 1963 as the Three Coins Motel. Mm. After that, it was replaced by the Bonanza Hotel and Casino in 1967. And then renamed the New Bonanza Hotel and Casino in 1973. New Ooh. Bonanza. In 1976, it reopened yet again as the MGM Grand. Yes, yes. With over 2,000 rooms and at a cost of $106 million, it was the largest hotel in the world at the time and one of the first truly luxury hotels on the Strip. Dean Martin was the entertainment opening oh, night. I fucking love In Dean. In fact, Dean Martin roasts were filmed at the MGM Grand. Yeah. 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 So the Friars at Bally's when roast. it was the MGM Grand. Oh, yes. Um, then, let's see. It set, so basically, it set a new standard of size and luxury for Las Vegas. It changed mm. everything. Then you were going to have a real good time. When you were yeah. going to Vegas, it wasn't yeah. just about gambling. It was about a luxurious experience as well. Nice. And uh, it's considered to have the, made the biggest impact on Las Vegas until the construction of Steve Wynn's Mirage Hotel in the late 1980s. Mm, okay. Yes. Okay. At approximately 7.07 a.m. on Friday, November 21st, 1980, a fire was discovered during an inspection of a restaurant called The Deli by a tile crew. A crew supervisor. Oh, no. I'm sorry, just the way yeah. he worded that. I'm like, they're like, hey, there's, uh, there's, there's anyone know of this fire back here? That's not up to code. Yeah. So what happened was a crew supervisor noticed a flickering light. Oh, and shit. when he went to go find it, fire. whoopsies, <gasps> the wall was on fire. Oh, God. <laughs> just, Damn. Oh, what's going on with this light? Oh, it's a fucking wall of flames. Oh, whoopsies. That's, that's not just yeah. a light. Yeah, the fire started thanks to an electrical ground inside a wall socket that failed thanks to some shoddy electrical work. So basically, Aww. if I understand this right, without getting too far into it, um, because halfway through it, my brain was like, you don't want to read this anymore. So there was <laughs> a refrigeration unit that was brought in yeah. and added after the hotel being constructed. They threaded it through the wall, and the ground was the wiring, like mm -hmm. the copper coat yeah, of the yeah, wire yeah. itself. Well, when they installed it, they installed it close to other things, and with it being a refrigeration <sighs> unit, it shakes. So over time, oh, so kind of that like... coating just took off, Oof. and it was just bare wire next to bare wire, oh, which triggered a fire. Oh, bare wire on bare wire Whoopsies, equals big fire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, an employee of the hotel's bakery recounts. Oh, whoops, I went too far. Okay, the fire started. Yep, yeah, did that. All right, I'm on it. I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> Just this so, fire is really discombobulating. You. I know, it really is. Well, you'll find out why. Oh, God. The deli had no sprinkler system. And, what? Yep. Wait for it. There were no heat or smoke detectors installed either. I'm um, pretty sure that was against the law even then. 
An employee, and we'll get there, an employee of the hotel's bakery recounted how just after 7 a.m. he saw smoke coming from the ceiling vents and the lights went out. After a failed oh. attempt to contain the fire, emergency services were called at 7.17 a.m. So 10 minutes after it was discovered, they called the police or the uh, fire department. When the Clark County Fire Department arrived at 7.19, so two minutes later, which doesn't seem likely, it seems, that seems very quick. And if so, good for them. I but mean, Vegas isn't a very big town. That's true. Two minutes, though? Shit. Were, I feel maybe they were just next maybe, door maybe, driving around. Maybe, I don't know. maybe they were. I don't know. But that's their, I mean, that's what it says but on all good on them good if on it's them. true. Yeah. Good job. Either way, they got, they did get there fast. And when they came in, they noticed the eerie sight of heavy black smoke lying motionless in the atmosphere above oh. the casino pit. Oh. So they noticed the fire at 701. Why is all this smoke over the casino pit? Apparently, oh. the fire had been smoldering for hours. Oh, shit. At that point, oh, the flames got a little taste of oxygen. Oh, fucking, that just goes a up. A fireball shot out of the deli <gasps> into the casino. Oh, my God. The crew began attempting to evacuate the approximately 5,000 people inside oh, the hotel and fuck. casino as the smoke grew worse. But there were issues, which we'll get into in a minute. Uh, a third alarm was called at 7.22 a.m., and a Metro Police helicopter pilot requested all available helicopters at 7.30. So, evacuation was a challenge because no fire alarms rang. Because of course, yeah. There was no fire alarm system. Oh fuck! So they had to like manually go up to people and be like, "Hey, you may want to leave. You may want to leave. See that smoke? Run!" And these are um, gamblers. They're gonna be like, "But I'm in the middle of a hand, or you know, or whatever." It's seven in the morning. Remember that. Yeah, but which is important. Which means the serious gamblers are there. Yeah. And the only alarm they had was for security purposes. Oh god. Oh, and also, sprinklers were not installed throughout the entire hotel either, just specific areas. The Why? most coverage was in the Money Counting area. Oh, well, that surprise, makes sense. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> the casino Why? and restaurants were not protected by a fire sprinkler system because they were exempt from rules requiring fire sprinklers in areas occupied 24 hours a day. So if it wasn't occupied 24 hours a day, they didn't have to have sprinkler system. Yep. Fuck. So just so let's stop for a minute and discuss the luxury decor of the 1980s. Oh, God, yes. So if you grew up in the 70s and 80s, it was like they designed fabrics to be as combustible as possible. <laughs> if you were near a match, <laughs> you were really going to catch were, fire. Like, they were like tempting it fate. It was polyester I mean, like, nightmare. Girl, you on fire. Maybe literally before the night's over. <laughs> Probably you literally. This really wonderful crop yeah. top. So then you think it's luxury. So imagine all the fabric, floors, walls, the ceiling, they're covered. And it's not just mm -hmm. the carpet. It's not just wallpaper. It's not just curtains. The ceiling is ornamented with plastic yeah. uh, detail mm -hmm. decors everywhere. Oh it was God. quite luxurious. Then you add the plastic PVC pipes, the glue, the plastic mirrors, furniture, and other fabric and flammable decor. You know they have pillows. Like everywhere. Oh yeah, pillows yeah. and lace and and curtains and shit like Gun, that. And like, the plastic, the PVC stuff. When that stuff burns, mm -hmm. the the fumes are toxic. Right. Very toxic. And then also, I imagine the felt on top of the tables burn uh, like crazy yep, as well. Yep. So oh, man, that's all I could think of is the <clears throat> felt. There's so much felt. So much felt everywhere. Um. So yes, the fire spread like it was getting paid for it. 
<laughs> Thank you. Uh, I was I mean, really happy with that. I one. was I was half expecting to say the fire spread like wildfire, and I was gonna laugh no. at that. But your joke hit me. Joke. It was even better. Well, because Vegas. It's Vegas, even though it's illegal. Uh, so I don't know how they measure this stuff, but the fire raced through the casino floor at fifteen to nineteen feet per second. That's a. Uh... Yeah. That's fast. Here's some other measurements. 4.6 to 5.8 meters per second, 10 to 13 miles per hour, or also 16 to 21 kilometers per hour. That's faster than some people drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how fast that fire Fuck. Yeah, that's went. rough. Um, the temperatures from the burning plastic materials were three times higher than the heat from the mm-hmm. May 1980 volcanic eruption of Mount St. Helens. Oh, God. Within four minutes of the fire escaping the restaurant, a massive fireball blew out the main entrance along the strip, crushing cars. Anything that was out there just oh, got obliterated. Like from a the, proper backdraft. Just yep. Bleh. Yep. Damn. From the time the fire was noticed, it took six minutes for the entire building to be fully engulfed in, engulfed in smoke. The casino had no sprinklers installed as well. I already said that. So, But 18 people died at the casino level of the hotel. Oh. Firefighters reported having to crawl through the dark and over mounds of stuff trying to extinguish the fire. It was later determined that the mounds were deceased guests and staff near an elevator bank. Oh! They managed to contain the fire to the first few floors of the casino, which is great, but they couldn't do anything about the spread of the smoke. Where there's smoke, there's fire, right? Mm. Well, this fire, like you said, made some nasty-ass smoke. Mm. Think of everything burning, that PVC pipe, all all of of the polyester. It was poison. The smoke Mm. was just poison. And it was combined with a lot of carbon monoxide. Yeah. Oh, God. No one had a chance. Uh Uh-huh. Then you think there's there's smoke dampers on the AC. So if there's smoke in it, the AC will turn off. They have dampers to trigger it. They were faulty. Of course they were. Yeah. So that only assisted the smoke to travel through the 26 floors through air conditioning ducts oh and God. stairwells. Holy shit. The elevator shafts were also directly above the restaurant and casino. So the smoke got in there and just shot up because it's chasing Man, that oxygen, right? Let the lesson here be that if a place is really, really nice, you have to ask yourself, how'd they afford all this? Right, hmm. right. By so cutting some fucking corners. They absolutely did. And um, it, it was... Well, we'll find out. Devastating. So, damn. From my experience in Vegas, most visitors are not moving around at 7 a.m. Yeah, unless they're coming back. (laughs) So, many of the guests were still asleep in the rooms and had no notification about the fire at all. Oh, Jesus. No alarm. By the time people realized what was going on, it was too late to get downstairs. That's if they woke up at all because you got carbon monoxide. That's true. And if they're asleep, they just keep sleeping. Yeah. Which is probably the preferred out of other ways. Out of all the ways they could have died in this situation, yeah. Yeah, there was one couple that I read where they had gone into, they were in their room, saw smoke, went into the hallway, and the door shut, and they it was so dark they lost each other immediately. So they found each other with their voices, and he had the car key, or the key, the, the key to the room, so they went back into the room. Thought they were going to die, decided they were going to fight, and they put, um, they got their bed sheets and got, and, you know, got them wet and crumpled mm-hmm, them up mm-hmm, and put them mm-hmm. over the vents 
the, the AC Someone vents. paid attention in class. Yeah, yeah. And uh, put them under the door to keep the smoke. Yeah. And it was just the smoke was coming in. And they were like, we've got to get away from the smoke. So they yeah. stopped wherever the smoke was coming in as much as they could. They had a little balcony. Mm-hmm. And they were going to go on the balcony. But then people were breaking glass above them. So there was bl- glass shards falling oh, down. Jesus Christ. So they used their blankets from the bed out on the balcony to make a tent. And they went outside and waited there for two hours until um, they could be reached. I think they were on the seventh floor, but the ladders could only go up to to the ninth or 10th floor. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, And they survived. So can you imagine how horrifying those two hours must have been? I know. Just like sitting in the balcony going, "Eh, well, hey, we'll see what happens. Let's tell ghost stories. Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, Guests on the upper floors of the 26-story hotel tried to evacuate for the stairwells, but those areas were already filled with smoke. On top of that, as a safety feature, possibly the only one in the fucking hotel, (laughs) the stairwell doors to each floor locked behind them. Have you ever been in a hotel Mm -hmm. where you go in and the door locks and you're like, fuck, now I don't know. Like now, yeah. Which floor has the unlocked door? Yeah. Yeah. So one of two things would happen. People would get trapped in the stairwell full of death smoke when the door locked behind oh, them. Oh, God. Or they'd prop open the doors when they realized the doors would lock behind them, which only helped spread the death smoke throughout the floor. Oh, Jesus. Only two exits were unlocked and could be reached through the stairwell. And those were on the first floor, which was in flames, and the very top floor, the 26th floor. Oh. But how did you know? Yeah, you'd have no right. idea. Um. There was one other story I read where they were um, going down the stairs and everybody else was running up and they're like, you can't get down. Um, You've got to run up. And so they passed people and the guy said his wife was like, ground floor is better than the top floor. (laughs) So they ran down. And as they got to the bottom floor where it was on fire, firefighters broke through the second floor wall into the stairwell and Mm -hmm. rescued them. Uh, there's no way they would have made it otherwise. No. So, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. This is terrifying. It is. Um, the majority of the deaths were in the stairwells. And it oh. wasn't because of fire. It was because of smoke. Yeah. And the elevators, the people in the elevators didn't fell, fare well either since there was no automatic means of returning elevators to the main floor during a fire. It caused 10 uh, people to die in one of the elevators. Oh, God. Oh. Many of the guests. Oh, that's put, like the worst. I know. What do you do? Uh, Many of the guests put wet towels over their faces, broke their windows to let fresh air in, covered cracks in the door with wet towels, like I said, and waited. Um, But like I said, if the firefighters thing didn't go to the ninth, it didn't go over the ninth or tenth floor, they were stuck. Guests in the tower that did survive were either rescued by firefighters who could eventually make it up to those floors to Mm -hmm. get them or by going up to the roof and getting a helicopter off the roof. And I think a thousand people were taken out that way. Wow. Yeah. Just one, like, trip by one trip helicopter. Man, I'm thinking of this been the day when, like, you could bungee off stuff. They could just, like... <laughs> right. Bungee right into the fire. <laughs> um, the, the building's evacuation took close to four hours to complete. Oh. All told, 85 people were killed, including oh. seven employees and 650 injured, including guests, employees, and 14 firefighters. Good Lord. While the fire primarily damaged the second floor casino and the adjacent restaurants... 61 deaths of 85 were on the upper floors of the hotel, the 19th through 24th specifically, mostly in the stairwells, where the smoke concentration was the highest. Some guests died in their sleep. 75 people died from smoke inhalation and carbon monoxide poisoning. Four from smoke inhalation alone. 
three from burns and smoke inhalation. Ugh. One from burns alone. One woman jumped from the 17th floor to escape the, the smoke, and she passed, of course. Ugh. And one person died of myocarditis. What's myocarditis? Myocarditis, it's either a heart condition or a breathing condition, but basically it makes you short of breath and can trigger a heart attack. Mm. So... In the aftermath, experts' assessments of the tragedy conclude that the fire could have been avoided. The dangerous mixture of ignored safety protocols combined with flammable synthetic materials used to decorate the casino made what might have been a small accidental fire into a tragedy. <sighs> David Demers, or Demers, a Ma Massachusetts fire analyst specialist who co-authored the National Fire Protection Association's report on the fire, said that an adequate number of sprinklers alone would have rendered the fire a one or two sprinkler fire, and we never would have heard about it. MGM settled out of Jesus. court in a $223 million fund that was given to the victims and their families after the fire. 83 building code violations were cited by investigators, mm -hmm. but no one was ever charged with any criminal wrongdoing. Huh. Not even the then chairman of MGM, friend Fred Benninger, Benninger, it's like Basinger, I don't know, Benninger, <laughs> Benninger, um, Basinger? yeah, Basinger? was charged. Uh, Fred is said to have been directly responsible for not having sprinklers installed throughout the hotel, despite urgent warnings from engineering and risk management companies to do so. What an ass. Billions of dollars were lost as a result of a poor decision to save $192,000 by not installing full fire sprinkler protection throughout the, bu the building. Ugh. And that fact was recognized immediately. Politicians and other city leaders did not want to gamble on the possibility of another fire like that happening again. Something like that could ruin Vegas's reputation forever. Uh, yeah. On top of that, on February 10th, 1981, less than three months after the MGM fire, another fire broke out at the Las Vegas Hilton, killing eight people and injuring 200. Good Lord. Now for something different, that was determined that it had been set by a bellboy um, who like intentionally intentionally who was like this hero he had the bucket he had a trash can full of water that he was putting the oh my god fire out with he moonshowsened everyone basically yes. he's and like I'm gonna save you from this fire that seems... someone said who oh, knows what, what a villain when they were questioning him not like suspiciously just asking about what happened he said he got he was taking a bucket of fire to the to help it out and so it was like this Freudian slip mm. and they had him do a he polygraph had a, he had a tell. Yes, he did. Uh, they did a polygraph and he failed it. Or at the time he broke down and he was like, he was smoking weed with a friend and they accidentally let the curtain on fire, lit the curtain on fire. Mm -hmm. Friend was never found. And they tried to reproduce what he said happened and it didn't happen. And also the, fi the fire marshal found four different starting points of that fire. So he definitely said it on purpose. I had three friends and we were all smoking weed in different parts of the building, you and see. And, and we were talking and over the intercom. <laughs> Um, oh, what an ass! Yeah, but do you think he was like? Do you think he like was thinking about the the fire at at, uh, at Bally's and was like, "I bet I could be a hero." Maybe like he got the idea. It's possible. What a fucking psycho! But here's the real shitty part. It's not shitty. He went to prison for murder for eight counts of murder. Good. He he went. The poor twenty four year old went to prison. The other guy. Oh yeah, didn't get any Fred punished. guy or whatever. nobody from MGM got punished. Yeah. It's like somebody had connections. Eight people died. He, this one guy this went one to prison for creep it. Goes to of course, which he should. Good. Somebody this other should guy have suffered. Killed like eighty-five yeah. people. And, and in their settlement, they had to sign that MGM was not at fault. <sighs> what a so bunch MGM, of don't sue me. But that's some real bullshit. 
Um, in your opinion. In my opinion. <laughs> allegedly. Mine too. <laughs> God damn. That's, yeah. you know, and that's, mm-hmm. So, maybe, maybe someone was connected. Uh-huh. Man, I don't know. Were, yeah. they, were they connected? Uh, oh. They're just rich. And the as we've seen, rich, rich people manage. don't have to suffer consequences. Thanks to the lessons learned from the MGM, the fire department used the televisions to communicate to guests to stay in their rooms at the Hilton. Oh, that's... So that, and to put towels and cover up the vents and all that stuff. So they were able to save a lot of people because they could communicate. They figured out a different way to communicate with them. Mm. So due to those two incidents and out of sheer cost-benefit analysis and economic reasons, not humanity humanistic ones they sure. it wasn't about caring about people it was caring no. about money right there was a major reformation of fire safety gu- guidelines and codes all buildings open to the public in nevada were reco- required to have fire sprinklers smoke detectors in rooms and elevators and exit maps in all hotel rooms this is why we have exit maps mm-hmm. the law went into effect in 1981 and made nevada a leader in fire safety regulation The disaster also led to the general publicizing of the fact that during a building fire, smoke inhalation is more serious. It's a more serious threat than the flames. Las Vegas. Well, the odds are much higher that you'll die of smoke inhalation than being burned. Yeah, and this was evidence of that, Mm. you know. So Las Vegas is now one of the safest tourist destinations in the world when it comes to fire, at least. That's good. So you don't have to worry about that. (laughs) They've got the fire thing down. Down. Since then, there have been no high building fires. That's good. Yeah, in well, that's Vegas. quite a few. That's yeah. a couple of, that's three decades of no Yeah, parts. they're doing pretty good. They're Not doing bad. pretty good. Not bad. The MGM was rebuilt in only eight months and, rem- a re- <clears throat> and remodeling <laughs> added a tower, which is the South Tower, uh, which opened in 1981. It was already in, under construction. Oh, I see. So they just finished making that tower mm-hmm. and then, yeah. Uh, the hotel was sold in 1986 to Bally Manufacturing for $594 million, and the property's name was changed to Bally's. The MGM Grand name was transferred to the former Marina Hotel. Now it's known as the MGM Grand Las Vegas. Mm. Uh, so they needed to distance themselves from the fire. So there was a big they, – they're just now a little further south. They were going to call themselves the the Flamenco, and they were like, no, that's not going to work. No. Um, (laughs) And then Hilton bought Bally's in 1995, and now it's all part of the Caesars. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Mm. the haunting. I imagine there's some haunts. Significant haunts. The most common complaint hotel guests make is the presence of smell of smoke and burning, especially on the upper floors, even if there's no one smoking. And so they have smoking rooms and they have non-smoking That's rooms. True. And in some of the reviews I read, there's a lot. There's like, it just smells like smoke, which was funny. Um, the stairwells seem to have the most activity. Again, most of the dirt, the deaths occurred between the 19th and 23rd floors of the North Tower, with the majority being in the stairwells. Staff and guests have seen shadow figures on the stairwells. Others have described screaming and hearing wailing and banging coming from the stairwells as well. Shadow figures and apparitions have been seen walking down the hallways and walking into walls. Guests of the hotel will also report returning to their room after a day in Vegas to find the room cleaned by housekeeping. Except the sheets and the blankets on the bed have been moved around and oftentimes wadded together. Oh... In the, in the morning, some guests report waking up and seeing the indent of someone in the bed and the pillows next to them. As if somebody was there. They mm-hmm. couldn't see. Mm-hmm. People have also seen shadow people lying in the beds. Oh, fuck that. Fuck that. Cleaning staff have also reported cleaning a room and returning five minutes later to find the bed they had just made 
completely messed up, blankets crumpled or moved off the bed, stuff like that. Or tied into like a little rope ladder. Mm -hmm. Maybe, yeah. Um, <laughs> they have Oof. also seen indents as if one or two people lying in the bed. They've seen the shadow people in the bed as well. Uh, furniture is reportedly tipped over and moved around as well. Um, that's one of the things that that couple did when yeah, they went on. They yeah. moved all the furniture into one area to kind mm -hmm. of create a safe zone for them. Yeah, makes so, sense. So uh, furniture will be moved around the room. Oh. Yeah, doors will shut on their own. Toilets will flush and sinks will turn on by their lonesome selves. So there's, there is activity. Um, quite a bit, it's Quite a bit, quite a bit. Multiple staff and guests have reported a group of 12 ghosts that wander the premises together. Mainly, they go into the casino area. One dealer saw a table of people sitting at one of the tables. The dealer looked for a second, uh, looked down for a second, and when he looked up, the entire table of people was gone. Just vanished. There have also been individual phantom gamblers reported. One of the most common phantom gamblers seen at Bally's is an older woman by a particular bank of slot machines. Those who claim to have seen her say she's holding a cigarette while playing two slot machines at once. But when you look closely, you will find that her dress is on fire. What? Mm -hmm. Oh. Whenever somebody approaches this apparition, she disappears. The slot machines themselves are also known to go haywire every once in a while. I, in my mind, in my movie, <laughs> she's just like, she, she's, that's, that's just a residual haunting. Like her dress right. on fire. She's like, one more slot. One just more. Just one more. One I more, got it. One Don't more worry. pull of yeah. the lever. Addiction one is more real, y'all. Yeah. And she's like, well, I'm, I'm not interested. Lever. She's like, she made a conscious decision to not be interested in not burning to death if she couldn't hit the jackpot. Right. Right. Up on, the, <laughs> up on the 17th floor of Bally's is still another ghost, that of a young boy whose voice can be heard crying out for his mother. Aww. He cries and then coughs and is then silent. Oh. It's very sad. There's also um, a story online I, I read that's in a, a man's book, and I totally forgot to write his name down. But um, <laughs> it's basically he talks about having worked in the – photography area mm -hmm. and a light that would kept turning on a door that needed to stay open that kind of stuff but the one that got me was the there's a restroom there a men's restroom on that floor mm -hmm. the lobby i think is the floor and he and other co-workers have gone in there and heard a man snoring in one of the stalls mm -hmm. but when they go to look there's nobody there and one of his uh, co-workers actually heard the snoring while he was in that stall Oh. So they think maybe it was an employee who was taking a nap and didn't know about the fire and possibly oh. died there just taking a died nap. Died in his sleep mm -hmm. on the shitter. Yeah. Well, he probably was just taking a nap. But <laughs> on the shitter. On the shitter, yeah. Um, but the uh I think yeah. I think when you're napping on a toilet, yeah, uh in public, it's it's time to look at your life choices. Right. I think maybe maybe you that's might, unfair of me you, to say, but I'm like, if you're having to nap, in you a public might live restroom, in Vegas. If, you might you might work in Vegas if, if yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I think it's an employee restroom okay. because they assume it was an employee that died, but uh, yeah. So that is some of the hauntings. Now I did look through reviews because the individual hauntings are kind of hard to come by. Sure. So here are a few things well, that hotels I Hotels are that way, though. Hotels are so, like, mm -hmm. so many people going out of them yeah. all the time. That yeah. It's hard to track down 
individual. Like that one experience. It's like yeah. people, they just, it's more like a cumulative of people at work. They're going, oh yeah, we have guests say yeah. all the time that this, this room happens, is haunted that or happens. that that stairwell is haunted. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, they, and that's what it was. It was people, you know, who had worked the hotel saying, mm -hmm. guests would say, my bed is messed up. Mm -hmm. This and that. Uh, okay, so about two, this is one of our reviews. About 2.30, my wife woke up and saw someone standing at the foot of her bed. She thought it was me, but when she saw I was asleep on the bed, she yelled, Jack, someone is in the room. I woke up, but no one was there, and she said someone was there. We were on the 19th floor. The door was still dead bolted. Two days later, I read a review on the site that the hotel was haunted from a fire in 1980. I looked it up, and over 80 people died in the hotel on these floors. The rest of our story, I left a light on. Very cool. Oh. As we know, it's okay to sleep with a line on. Uh, <laughs> Yelp it, reviews with ghost stories in them. That's great. We, is, should do, we should do an episode on Yelp ghost stories. This is from uh, Travel Advisor. Okay. Yeah. Oh, TripAdvisor? TripAdvisor. That's the one. Um, in 09, we stayed at Bally's. Around 3 a.m., we heard a light knocking and someone laughing. My friend asked me if I'd heard that, and I said, yeah. We tried to go back to sleep, and they did it again. Being pissed off from losing my football bets, I waited again. They did it again, and I opened the door. Of course, nobody was there. We stayed on either the 22nd or the 23rd floor. Ooh. See if I can swipe. Okay. When I stayed at Bally's, every night it sounded like someone was bouncing a ball and jumping around in the room above us. When we checked out a week later, I mentioned it to the desk clerk. He checked the computer and said it was a penthouse suite and it was empty the entire time we were there. It could have been employees having some fun, but it was kind of spooky anyway. In 1991-1993, I worked security at Bally's and rose to investigator having keys to almost anything on the property. During this time frame, I had two odd occurrences, one in which the Jubilee stage curtain came down when the showroom was closed and I was on stage. The curtain can be programmed to drop, but it was not programmed that night. A second occurrence was when I found a male subject in a restricted area and upon refusing to stop at my command, I gave chase only to have him round a corner and not five feet in front of me disappear. Ooh. This was, however, not in the main tower when the fire occurred, but in the newer tower, which was not completed at the time of the fire, which is something to keep in mind, too. There are, you know, what, 40 million people, I think, that visit Vegas every year? Something like something that. Like that. Yeah. And so people die. A lot uh, of people die. And a lot of people who spend a time there, you know, might be back. So it's beyond just the fire spirits. I think those... I mean, it's a huge hotel. It's huge. So they must have, at any given mm -hmm. time, they have, what, 3,000 people? 5,000 uh, It was 5,000 5, the day of the people. fire. Yeah. yeah. So that's like, the odds are pretty good. We've, ta we've talked about them before. How, like, odds are pretty good. Like, there have been a lot... Every hotel has its share of deaths. Well, Stephen right. King talked about that. In, exactly. In, when that's part of the inspiration for The Shining. was like, yeah, hotels are really kind of primed to be haunted. Exactly. a lot of shit goes on there. Which you know, got me curious about some of that. And then I found some other random facts and uh, creepy oh. rumors about oh. Vegas. Oh, yes. So, you know, I've said it before. We know what happens in Las Vegas stays in Las Vegas, right? Apparently. Well, 99% of what happens in the Las Vegas hotel casinos stays in the Las Vegas hotel casinos. <laughs> Journalists are complicit. Law enforcement is complicit. Hotel employees and management are complicit. Just about everybody's in on it because if you freak people out, the thinking goes, they may not visit. And visitors make everyone a lot of money. Uh, yes, it makes sense. It's a tourist town. If yeah. you, so the last thing you want to do is uh, ward off tourists. Mm -hmm. Because what the fuck are you going to do otherwise? I, you know, yeah. it's, we have a thriving, uh, you know, weaving industry here yes. in Las Vegas. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> uh, so here's the first one. 
which sets us up for all of the weird shit that we're doing. Oh my God, yes. Maintenance workers check chairs daily, usually in the morning, in casinos to make sure no one wet themselves whilst gambling, whether it be accidental or addiction related, i.e., oops, I drank too much, now I've pissed myself. Or versus like I'm not getting up I out can't of this leave. chair. I can't leave right can't now leave. or I'll lose. Oh like I'm on, a, I'm on a lucky streak. And so they choose to piss themselves rather than get up. I'm glad that's a policy yeah. of the hotels and the casinos to check that. So they have these, uh, they go through with like a rag and some sponges and stuff. And every single chair they go push to make sure that <laughs> nobody's peed. And if they do, if they, if it is wet... They have high-powered industrial strength devices called extractors that are used to clean and dry the chairs. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> How awkward of, like, someone next to it, the chair that's being, you know, extracted. Uh-huh. Like, what's going on? Uh, someone hit the jackpot. Yeah. <laughs> then you sat in it. Someone became their um, own slot machine. Exactly. <laughs> Worth noting, when customers inquire with casino staff about their chair being wet, they'll most often claim someone spilled a drink and offer a replacement chair. I mean... I guess they're not, it's not so much a lie as it is they're just leaving out certain key points. Yes. Someone spilled a drink that uh, just happened to travel through their, through their whole body. system. They, <laughs> oh, yeah. <God>. Also, <laughs> make sure you use those safes inside the rooms. Turns out there are blind spots in every hotel. One guy checked into the hotel and paid cash for his stay. With with When the maids went into the room to clean it, everything had been stolen, including the king-size bed everything it was just an empty room none of the cameras captured the removal of all of the stolen furniture damn so they found a way to get it all out without any of the cameras that's someone really liked that the furniture yeah they were like this is gonna look great um (laughs) in every major hotel in las vegas this one's fun um there is a special bin it's large and on wheels and uh filled to the brim with sex toys left behind <laughs> by hotel guests every week or so or sometimes more frequently depending it's like upon a the hotel particularly gross lost and found uh-huh it's the grossest of lost and found. <laughs> um they and so and you know i read some of the comments on this article and and some people were like we just throw them away that work there they're like we just straight up throw them away but um, a lot of like people, it's like a bio, and then they throw them away all together in a dumpster, I guess. Well, save your, but, saves the trip. Yeah. Um, so there are a lot of sex toy shops and sex shops in Vegas. Uh-huh. And so people go there to party. They don't want to take any evidence like, home. I can't put this in my checked luggage. Right. So <laughs> and I they, can't, this can't, I can't carry this on. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I can't let my wife see this when I get home. So, <laughs> yeah. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, Vegas, including the sex toys. And may just end up in a biohazard bag. That's right. That's right. So that one was fun. Uh, there are estimated to be at least a thousand people living beneath Vegas in underground tunnels. And that can sometimes become a problem on the few times that it rains because they'll flood. There's nowhere for the water to oh. go. And so some of those people die. Um, oh. Las Vegas has a black book, a list of people who are banned from setting foot into any casino in the city. Uh-huh. Yeah, 40 million people visit Vegas every year. Out of that 40 million, and this is where we're going to get dark again, about 1,100 visitors die every year. 67% are by accident. 15% are suicides. Oh. Vegas. Well, that makes sense because that town can destroy you. It can destroy you, and it is a place, for some reason, people go to, yeah. to kill themselves. 
Um, huh. Yeah. And, you know, of course, suicides aren't covered a lot of the time anyway because they don't want to encourage it. Right. Um, but in Vegas, they are particularly quiet about deaths in the hotel. 11% mm-hmm. of the deaths there are homicides. Yeah, that makes sense. By law, and I don't think this is true. I think it used to be true that the hotel room must be shut down for two weeks for quarantine when someone dies in the room. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really make sense for that to be now, you know, now. Um, but I think in the past, they had to, you know, let authorities know. And so yeah. they would move the bodies so they wouldn't have to let them know they died in the room. So they wouldn't have to do anything extra. Oh. That seems to not be happening anymore. Um, you know, they, they will call the police and everything, but they clean the room, get it all nice and neat and run it right back out. And however fast they can turn it around because an empty room is no money. Yeah, exactly. And, so, and it's a lot of no money. It's a lot of no money. So uh, if somebody dies accidentally or of natural causes, the hotel will usually comp the room, which is nice. Then if the person takes their own life and there are damages to the hotel, the hotel bills the family and survivors of the deceased to cover those costs or the mm. estate, mm, mm, mm. which makes sense. I mean, uh, there are also secret pathways, elevators, et cetera, to remove the bodies of funeral directors. Oh, uh, to remove the bodies and funeral directors have to sign NDAs stating they won't say anything about the person dying in the hotel. Wow. And that ba- now the back room stuff, it sounds very secretive, but every single convention center has. They have interior. to. I mean, because yeah. it's, it's. Yeah. We it, walk through those all the time. Yeah. And so I mean, that's, they're just service corridors. Yeah. You know, yeah. although it's makes it, it's the only way for. for there are elevators back there. There's mm-hmm. prep servicing. There's. I mean, cause those places, rooms. those places have to be serviced by cleaning mm-hmm. staff. Uh, security, all that, and they cannot go through the crowds. Exactly. Because then that just, I mean, think of it, if you were a, a security guard and you have to go through a crowd to get to a, like a, a conference room or a, a pit where shit's going down, like it, you're going to get slowed down by uh, quite a vital few minutes if you have to go through the crowds. Yes. So yeah, service corridors are just a thing. Publicly, the most suicides happen in the Luxor Hotel, hmm. but that's the design of the Luxor and I think it's just more public. It's not necessarily that more people actually. What, is the, what does the design have to do with? So the Luxor is the is the pyramid, the big pyramid, okay. right? Yeah, yeah. And so um, they don't have balconies on the outside. Instead, they have an atrium, and so the rooms, uh, the hallways, or the balconies look directly over into all the way up. Okay. So it's people have seen other people jump from there and so i think because it is more public they gotcha. can't keep it as quiet yeah because if somebody privately does it in the room yeah that, then that, they know. they've more or less got control yeah. over it but if they yeah. jump into the atrium yes mm. and apparently they do try to pay off people who have witnessed it you know Oof. in different public places oh, yeah man. to keep it quiet uh so that got me thinking you know that's it's basically one suicide a month God, a little damn. over that in in Vegas, and Ooh. I mean, you know, eleven hundred people a year—that's a that's a lot of just naturally. I mean, it's a that's lot of people lot. in one place. It's what happens. It is, and it's Death the only natural. place around there for a while. So it's like yes. it's, it's quite a concentration of people. Yes, from all over the world with a lot of you know drugs. Oh, yeah. So that is something people party in really hard, yeah. you know, pushing the limits. And that's on top of, you know, if somebody has heart conditions or other things right. like that. So right. uh, it happens. It happens. Um, it just happens a lot in Vegas. And especially for people who are buying one-way tickets to go there for that express purpose. Mm-hmm. They don't want their family to have to find them. They don't want the yeah. family to have to clean up after them, that kind of a thing. 
which hmm. then, you know, inadvertently I found out this article that uh, talks about how to know if someone has died in your hotel room. Oh, no. Oh, no. And I'm I, about to go on a trip, Jamie. I know. I really, <laughs> as much as we travel, I really shouldn't look have looked oh, at this. Oh, no. But I couldn't help myself. I had to. I had to do I'm it. I'm going to start going like, uh-huh. I'm going to, I'll be in a hotel room I know. this evening. Yeah. So, the nicer hotel, the nicer the hotel is, the the less likely you are to see anything because they have people who clean it thoroughly. Right. Uh, but, you know, like if you're in staying in a janky-ass motel and somebody... Oh, I fuck. Mean, they may not have even bothered to move the body. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, like, there's been stories of hotels, like somebody's been stabbed in that bed and they, you know, move everybody out and just flip the mattress over and put on a mattress pad. Oh, God. Yeah. That's another uh, reason not to stay in a shitty hotel. Yes. Yes. Um, you don't want to stay exactly, on the death mattress. Exactly. Okay. A murder mattress. Well, and that whole thing, too, with the bodies being inside the mattress. That's oh, yeah. That's happened several times. That has happened. That's, yeah, that's, it's legit. That's not just an urban legend. Um, maybe that's what we'll do one time. We'll do urban le- less urban legends that are... Travel-wise, urban travel. legends. We'll be like, here's how to... Yeah, we'll just have to... We'll so do, anyway. how do I tell if someone's died in my room and the hotel's just... Okay, are you ready? Overcharging me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Number one, look for bumps in the wall. Bumps so, if there is a bullet hole in the wall, they'll fill it in and sand it down and paint it. But sometimes they'll fill it in and they won't sand it down evenly. Oh, So, God. it leaves a little bump in the wall. I'm going to... I'm going to be looking for bumps I in the know. fucking wall. Now I'm like, that's a bump. That's a bump. And it may just be a bad, like, wallpapering job. Yeah. I'm going to see bullet holes now. So if it's smaller than a quarter, that's when it's probably a bullet. <laughs> Number two. And the thing is, too, God you're going to you're gonna have flashbacks on some of these. I know. I'm already having them. It's like, like oh. oh, my God, I've been in rooms like that. Okay. <laughs> Number two. <laughs> Why? I know I gotta help it. And if it's, it's haunting me now, it's haunting you. Uh, it's only fair in 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 love and podcasts. Okay, it's only partially redecorated. So like, oh, if God. half the room is wallpapered, I, was just in a hotel I know, room like a month ago. If half the Why? room has new wallpaper and half the room has old wallpaper. Chances are they're covering something up. Someone died in that half uh-huh. of the room. They don't halfway redecorate rooms. They'll redecorate the whole thing. So if you have a brand new headboard and bedside stands, but that chair across the room and that don't dresser, don't, are there old oh, versions of it? Oh, God. That's for a reason. I've been in it's so suspicious. many hotel I rooms know. like that. Me too. Okay. <laughs> Number three. A stinky AC. Oh God, that's every hotel ever. So, well, okay, but why? Okay, but like, in what way, stinky? So, because they never clean the damn exhaust vents on those fucking things. Like you let the ones in the yeah. shower, and it's always just like just like right. just a fucking Christmas garland of dust inside yes. the vent. Slats. So, if someone has been offed and or offed themselves using something that would create a mess, oh, that uh, mess would get into the vents, and if the cleaners oh. don't clean it out. It gets inside and burns on the coils. So when it's a very, very stinky AC, it could be because, you know, there's just human matter burning inside there. Blowing out on you. (laughs) I know! That's the one that got me the worst. Oh, I can't think of a stinky vent. I, like, I've had I've had a couple, maybe. and in I'm the sure reviews, he said this. The guy said in the reviews, it'll say 
stinky vents. That's usually, it's like really? the air conditioning stinky. Someone's died in that room. There's a chance. The it's not for from sure. Inside the house. It's, it's oh. not for sure, but it's suspicious. It could also be that someone just had explosive diarrhea and it got into the vents. And that, mm. that's not, I mean, that that's not making, that's I know, not, that's, I'm what's not comforting worse? myself at all. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, also, if, oh, if like, a, just a piece of the carpet is replaced. <gasps> now, that could be from a stain or something, but if it's a big section. Oh, like the size of a person. Mm -hmm. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's so gross. Yeah. Oh, because that makes like, why did the, why did the person leave such a stain? Either because like they bled out, or because the body had been there for a while, or because bodies the minute they die do certain gross things that leave uh -huh. stains, even if the death uh, didn't leave a wound. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> um. Um. I know. <laughs> Welcome to it. Uh, flies in the light fixtures. <gasps> no, that's been why. <laughs> I just thought they were attracted to the light and they got trapped. Well, they are. But why are there so many flies that they're getting into the light fixtures? And if there's, if you don't see well, a lot of. Well, because the vents stink and they're, God damn it. I know. Exactly. <laughs> so if there, if there are a lot of flies in that room to get into that, you know, that's for them to get into the light fixture. There. There's just enough flies that that's where they end up going. No, I mean, they've been born there yeah, out of the, in the morning. Because mm -hmm. it only takes one fly to be in a room to produce a ton of flies from yep. the body. Yep. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh. yeah. And that's going to be in the cheaper hotels, usually. They're the ones that don't pay attention to that. Um, oh, God. Okay, then, well, not, not my problem. I don't stay the in other really thing cheap is, hotels if I can help it. Uh, so. it, it. The ceiling, if there's something off about the ceiling, a discoloration, it looks like new paint covering mm. something. Um, he said he was in a hotel room and he looked up and there was a stain that he could see went on the ceiling from where, like from the, sitting on the foot of the bed, he looked up and it went backwards towards the ceiling and kind of had, was down the wall just a little bit. Oh. So he had imagined somebody had killed themselves with a gun uh, uh, right then. Oh. Gross, awful, terrible, horrible. Don't do it. Call suicide prevention. Please. Um, but he could tell, like, because he's professional. He's been trained in that. Mm -hmm. And so um, he took pictures and took it to the front desk. And they were like, nope, no suicides. Nothing, nothing like that has been in that room. Nope, not at all. No deaths. And then um, the cops also said there was nothing on file about anybody so, you know, you think if it wasn't that and maybe somebody had been killed or something like that and the body removed, then the hotel doesn't have to say that somebody was killed in that room. Well, yeah, because there's no there's record. No body. Right? They, they just move the body. They just and... have a room full of blood that they have to. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm -hmm. oh. Super fucking creepy. Oh, God. And then I had to stop going down this rabbit hole. <laughs> Thank you. Because I was like, oh, my God, I have to go. We're going to Colorado Springs. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm going to weekend. Ohio tonight. I know. You'll, oh. but by, by the time this is out, you'll be have been back. That's true. And oh, so that's valleys and other weird shit oh. with Vegas and how to scare yourself in your hotel room. That's, oh, that's great. Oh my god. So if your hotel's not haunted, um, it may just be that the person that died there just didn't stick around. But someone's probably died in your hotel room. Mm -hmm. Is is the moral of the story? Yeah. At I'm the very getting. least, every every surface has someone's had sex on it. <laughs> Even the vent shaft. Yep. 
All right. Well, thank you for that. No I am going to take a pee break and uh, have a drink, a little bit a, of a drink, have a little bit of drink. Need and that then, now? Uh, yeah. Yes. And then uh, we'll get into some more Vegas. Yes. Thoughts. Okay. Let's do it. And we're back. We're back. I love that we say that. And to them, no time has passed no, at all. No time. Yeah. Uh, so I am, of course, talking about the mob superstar, Benjamin Bugsy Siegel. Uh, and the fabulous flamingo, as it was originally called. Yes, right. Uh, which, of course, is one of the most famous hotels at the time. In fact, now um, it is one. It is the fourth largest hotel in the world. Oh wow! It's, that has they have thirty five hundred rooms, uh, and it's just. I mean, it's massive. Is it on the strip or it's on the strip? Flamingo? It's on the strip. It's mm -hmm. on the strip. It's and been. It, one of the it first has ones. been moved. But it not by very much. Like it, there's still a plaque um, in the garden of the of the current flamingo where the original one once stood. So it's still on the strip. In fact, it was the first resort hotel on the on strip. strip. Yeah, because yeah. the strip is technically in paradise. Right. Las Vegas is the downtown Vegas is the old. Yeah. The old gambling stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, well, we'll get into that a little bit. Oh, so okay. when you think about it, Vegas is kind of a non sequitur um, because it's just, it's like 110 acres of this, <laughs> I like to call it high roller hubris, <laughs> <laughs> just bursting out of the Nevada desert uh, like a fucking mirage. I mean, yeah. it's like something you'd see if you were crawling uh, on your last, <laughs> with your last breath or last ounce of strength through the desert, you look up and, you know, you either see a Coke machine or Vegas. <laughs> right. You can see Vegas. It's the brightest spot, I think. Yeah. From satellite or from, you know, yeah. outer space. The brightest spot on the planet is Las Vegas. Yeah. You can close your eyes and still see it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can see it right now if I close my eyes. Right. Right. And the sun's out. Um, so, I mean, there and it, it's an awesome place. I've been there several times. Yeah. I used to go there for it's work fun. back in the day. And then now I, I guess I still go there technically for work, but the work is a little more fun than Do it was. Do you gamble? Uh, no, I don't gamble. I'm not a big gambler. I'm not either. a big gambler because I have no luck in that regard. But I... I do love, I love the shows and I love that you do. Yeah. The coolest thing I ever did was walk up to a roulette table and go, bet on, always bet on red boys. And uh, <laughs> they were like, three or four of the guys there were like, like okay. On red and and then... they moved everything to red and then it won. <laughs> and I was like, you're welcome. And they all won a bunch of money. And I just walked off like I was just this little and lucky And now they angel. tell stories about you. They're like, I know. there's a ghost. And uh, I don't have that luck for myself, though. It's only for other people. Yeah, I used to go. I did gamble a little bit. I'd go there for uh, meetings with my old boss. And we would go gambling together, like the night mm -hmm. before a big client meeting. And you'd be like, if we win the jackpot at this casino. Because you walk into a casino, there's usually, like, they have the jackpot. Like, you can win this much money. Right. And it's, it's, it's in the millions of dollars frequently. Yeah. And he'd always turn to me and be like, if we win that, I'll split it with you like 50-50 and we'll go to the meeting tomorrow just long enough to tell everyone to fuck off. <laughs> um, that was that was the best part of going to, to uh, Vegas for this, these meetings. The but best, anyway, so... The most I ever did. Sorry, I can't oh, no, tell I know. Story. Vegas is so much fun. <laughs> the, the most I ever did was uh, we, uh, my mom, I went with my parents and for some reason we ended up staying at Circus Circus, which is also haunted, but we'll have yes. to get into that to another time. Um, <laughs> and, and also just weird. It is very weird. And I was playing uh, blackjack at a table and it was the dollar table because it's circus circus. <laughs> and that's about as much as I'm willing to spend. Like, who is it? It's um, Barbara Streisand, I think. Probably. That she bet a nickel um, and <laughs> somewhere, and it's Barbara Streisand. She's like a nickel. And she won, and they got another nickel, and they were ready. Okay, what bet? And she's like, hold on. And she took her nickel back. And she was like, okay. <laughs> so, nickel or, back. Or, or, and yeah, thus right. the band was born. It was a quarter. It was a quarter. Okay. Um, so we don't have to make that joke. Uh, so... <laughs> Um, but 
so that's kind of how I am. I'm always like, but if I have all this money that like spending it on gambling just gives me more anxiety. What if I just went shopping instead? Right. So, and that's that, more fun that for I'll me. That I'll do. I'll do and shopping. And so, uh, the, the Oh God, yeah. I love shopping. Well, and you have Venetian. to go to those places. Cause we live in Dallas. There's so many shops that we get anyway. So right. it's like, but, um, you know, oh, it's so hard to live in Dallas. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I had one within five minutes. I was at $45 on the blackjack table. And then um, they changed dealers on me. Oh, no. And I was like, what is this bullshit? It's $45. It's not like I'm a high roller. Well, you are for Circus Circus. I guess I am. And so <laughs> they changed dealers and they were real kind of snooty about it. And then I lost twice and um, I sold $40, I think. <laughs> and I was like, I feel as though my luck has changed. And I grabbed all my stuff up, up and I was like, I'm done with this table. It's dead to me. And I, I'm, you know, it's me in public. I'm having a good time. And so, uh, and the dealer looked at me like, mm. it was a grumpy dude. And so within 15 minutes, we walked back by that table and a leak had sprung over the table and the entire table was covered in water. Oh my God. I want to go with you to Vegas. It was amazing. And I looked at the dealer and he looked at me and I said, I told you. And then I just walked off and he was like, oh, it was amazing. Like, You're a witch. It was amazing. That's... I just know when to make it look like I'm a witch. But... Okay, great. Well, that's half the battle. Yeah. So, I mean, Vegas. <laughs> so Vegas... anyway, go ahead. You have a story. <laughs> no, no, that's, no, it's fine. It's great. Um, so Vegas is, you know, when I think Vegas, I think, you know, Michelin rated restaurants, world-class hotels, mm -hmm. live theater venues that boast A-list talent. Some of the most improbable A-list talent, too. You're like, yeah. so-and-so's doing a show here? Fantastic Jan Janet Jackson is doing what? Um, and of course, a slew of these ritzy casinos all vying for tourist traffic using every trick in the book. Laser light displays, fountains synchronized to soaring music, pristine recreations of classical monuments, mm -hmm. uh, decor dripping with enough luxury to make even a firmly middle-class retiree on his first vacation in decades feel like a king and right. spend like one. Mm. All in the middle of fucking nowhere. Like, it's just it's in, in the, middle of, the middle of the fucking mm -hmm hottest, like most, one, one of the most inhospitable deserts in yeah. the world. Um, in fact, at one point in the film Ghostbusters, Dan Aykroyd's character, Ray, is pouring over the blueprints for the hotel where, you know, like the climax takes place. And he says something along the lines of whoever designed this was either a, you know, a genius or a certifiable lunatic. Yeah. And um, which I find to be an apt description of the man who looked out across the sprawl of sun-baked wasteland adjacent to the Union Pacific Railroad and saw not only prime real estate ripe for development, but a resort town to rival uh, heaven, <laughs> basically. Yeah. And to it's be fair- paradise. It's paradise, right? I mean, and to be fair, Benjamin Siegel didn't earn the hated nickname Bugsy by being a paragon of mental health. <laughs> He's the one that hated the nickname. Hated it. Yeah. Hated it. Um, he was born on February 28th, 1906, to peasant Jewish immigrants in Brooklyn, New York. He's a Pisces. Um, Big and, dreamer. Uh, the man destined to put Las Vegas on the map began his long and storied criminal career by extorting neighborhood street vendors with his street gang. Along with fellow mobsters Meyer Lansky and Morris Moe Sedway, uh, with whom he grew up, Siegel offered protection from rival gangs, by which it was understood, pay us or your merchandise will get fucking set on fire. Uh, Low-level thug street, like kid stuff. Generic thuggery. Generic, generic Brooklyn-style thuggery circa the 20s and 30s. Right. So... Um, now, his uh, his hair-trigger temper earned him a distinctive nom de plume among colleagues, though anyone foolhardy enough to use it in his presence would quickly learn the origin. He would go, bugs, 
at the drop of a hat it was slang for that that guy's fucking nuts. Yeah, like bugs, bugs. Which I, bugs. I always thought like his eyes would bug out of his head or something, and, and they probably would. Um, he was actually a very handsome guy. He was very attractive man. Like he um, certainly mm, was. The only time Warren Beatty has played anyone that I thought he was less attractive than. Yeah, um, and, and I like Warren Beatty, but I'm mm. like, damn, that's a good looking man. But you're, mm, mm-hmm. I guess you're the closest. Yeah. Um, which is I hate saying that about a guy who's such a fucking murderer. Yeah. Um, uh, Siegel, not. Not as far as I know, baby. baby um, yeah. <laughs> now connected. They get away with more. Uh, well, that's true. That's they get close to their victims because they're charming and they're attractive and they're money. My God, he had so much fucking money. Um, now connected by heritage to both the Italian and Jewish mafia, mm-hmm. Siegel glowed up through the ranks of the New York mob uh, like a fucking bottle rocket, graduating with honors from street level extortion to grand theft auto and good old fashioned large scale racketeering by He's age just working 21, himself up working right. his way up in the business he knew he knew, he knew i think he knew what he was pretty early on and was yeah. like this is my well, life I mean, this, this is, is what by I'm 21 do. yeah yeah and so by age 21 he'd earned enough money to own a home in scarsdale and a permanent suite at the waldorf astoria Ooh. at 21 Motherfucker had two places, yeah. two nice places. He set up the uh, the notorious Murder Inc., a group of mob enforcers responsible for some of the grisliest crimes in the underworld. <laughs> that is a producer. I know that Murder Inc. Murder Inc. Uh, Murder Here. Incorporated, like yeah. not like Murder Inc. That's a great name for like a tattoo parlor. No, but it really um, is the name of a. Well, before it was but that, before that, it was, it was yes. Bugsy Siegel's murder outfit. Yeah. Like, you need someone whacked off? This one whacking off meant murder. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Whack ink. Um, <laughs> whacked off. Um, so lauded was he by the brass that he's thought to have been instrumental in uh, the promotion of Lucky Luciano to chairman of mm. the board of the American Mafia in 1931, following the death of Mafia Don Joe Masseria. Um, now, Lucky had been one of Maseria's chief lieutenants over the Genovese uh, or Genovese crime family, the strongest mm-hmm. and most connected of the five outfits operating in New York at the time. Allegedly. Allegedly. Hungry for power, Luciano, a monster among monsters, who I'll have to do a whole separate thing about because yeah. that motherfucker, oh my God. He ordered a hit on his own boss. Uh, Maseria was gunned down in cold blood on April, 15, uh, April 15th, 1931, while dining at Nuova Villa Tomorrow on Coney Island, one of his favorite restaurants. Mm-hmm. Some accounts say Lucky was even breaking bread with him at the time. Uh, so the story goes, Luciano excused himself, and no sooner had he slipped into the men's room than four masked men rushed in and sprayed Maseria with bullets. Bugsy was likely the trigger man. Oh. The king was dead, long live the king. With Lucky Luciano running the show, Bugsy was set. At the height of his power and fame, Bugsy was among the most feared mobsters in the country, not to mention well-known. It's widely thought he arranged to kill Harry Greenberg, a former associate of Murder Incorporated, poised to take sta- to turn state witness. When Siegel mm. and four other men were arrested in connection to Greenberg's death, every witness to the murder in a position to testify against them in court vanished one by one until the prosecution was left empty-handed. Oh, wow. So they were like, the law was like, we fucking know you did this, but we have no evidence. And Bugsy would be like, hmm, weird. That's so weird. You don't have anybody to talk to about it. So strange. I guess they were all vacationing, (laughs) which must have given them an idea of vacation. Huh. So uh-huh. he was then tasked by the mob uh, with establishing the mob's presence on the West Coast, uh, which was kind of a new territory. Now, the reason uh, Siegel was hell-bent on branching out into new territory anyway, um, the end of Prohibition hit the mafia really, really hard. Yeah. So they were having to look for other sources of revenue streams, and they thought, well, what can we do this? Well, the enterprising sociopath turned his sights on gambling. His first venture was a ship 
named the SS Rex, owned by fellow mob celebrity Anthony Cornero, and docked three miles off the coast of Santa Monica to avoid gambling restrictions. Uh, high rollers from all walks of life, usually middle class though, would be ferried aboard to try their luck at high stakes games of chance, theoretically free from the landlocked arm, arm of the law. Within right. months, though, theory and practice parted ways. State Attorney General Earl Warren proposed a legal argument against offshore gambling ships in 1939, decrying them as a nuisance that would inevitably give rise to similar floating dens of iniquities like whorehouses and opium, you know, cellars uh, uh, and all that. Yeah. Uh, states, he declared, had the right to deal with such nuisances to its economy, even when those nuisances fell outside its technical jurisdiction, and it passed. Oh. Authorities raided the SS Rex a few months after Bugsy invested. The ship had no engine of its own, uh, so the captain drew up the landing platform and turned the fire ho hoses on to officers <laughs> attempting to board while the wide-eyed, largely middle-class patrons gawked in disbelief from the poker tables. Thus began a nine-day standoff <gasps> in the Pacific, which only came to an end. I love this when Anthony Cornero, remember the owner who was on board at the time, decided he was sick of this shit and besides needed a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> Priorities. Right. I just fucking love how the mob, I just, I mean, they're evil, but they're so classy. Um, following this minor setback, Bugsy's criminal vision shifted from ocean to desert. Nevada had legalized gambling years earlier on March 19th, 1931, you see. Setting up a casino amid the windswept mesquite of Las Vegas would be a roll of the dice. Sure, see what I did there. But if successful, <laughs> would mean fewer dealings with law enforcement and more importantly, fat profits for the syndicate back home. Bankrolled by his somewhat skeptical New York overlord, Siegel swooped in and took control of the fabulous Flamingo Hotel and Casino, a then-struggling construction project already substantially in the hole and nowhere near being open. Now, at the time, Vegas bore no resemblance to the razzle-dazzle we know today. The Flamingo would be the first resort-style hotel on the Strip, outfitted with every conceivable luxury and catering to a middle class hungry for a taste of the high life. Such opulence was a long shot, uh, coming in roughly $5 million over budget. Uh, Siegel counted on the takings of the hotel's opening weekend to quell the syndicate's growing doubts. When was this? This was, well, this was in 1946. 46, Specifically yeah. on November 26, 1946, was the resort's soft opening, as it was still under construction at the time. A freak thunderstorm bore down on Las Vegas the uh, night of the ribbon yes. cutting, preventing out-of-towners from flying in. While a handful of notables did manage to show up, uh, Judy Garland and Clark Gable were nice. among them, nice. uh, the inaugural weekend was abysmal, attended mostly by curious locals who only stayed long enough to snag a free cocktail. Because everybody that was, because there were a lot of Hollywood people that were going to come. A lot of Hollywood, a lot of New York brass were uh -huh. going to come. And they couldn't because of the storm. The storm. The yeah. storm. that like, storm the storm in Las storm. Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Which, which I have experienced. The yeah. first time I went to Vegas, a storm hit just after we got off the plane. That's always a hard landing too when you go into yeah. Vegas. Uh -huh. It's like in a valley or something. It's in a valley so there's a lot of turbulence going into yeah. it because you're passing over a lot of ridges and stuff. Um, now discouraged by this, Siegel slammed the door shut and ordered construction to continue, determined to give his vision uh, it, its proper uh, say. Like, he was mm -hmm. gonna fucking finish this. Uh, mob money be damned. Thus, understandably, the mafia got a wee bit anxious. Yeah, that was their money. Yeah, and a lot of it. Like, this, yeah. he it was originally a million dollars, and then it ballooned to six within a year. Yeah, in the 60s. In the 40s. In the 40s, sorry. In the, the 40s. 40s. So it's the... like a billion dollars by today's money. Yeah. Like, it's a lot of fucking money, and it's making nothing. Uh, made nothing on its opening right. weekend, and they're like, this is crazy. Because they're like, dude, you really get a resort hotel in the middle of the fucking desert. Right. Like, you're three hours from Los Angeles. Who the fuck is gonna, you know... People will go anywhere for a massage. 
Well, the mom didn't think so at the time. Siegel, it was rumored, was skimming off the top and blowing it on his notoriously extravagant lifestyle. A casino originally projected to set them back a cool million was hemorrhaging money to the tune of six times that. This would not do. A shadowy cabal of mob leaders met in Cuba and agreed that the Flamingo, uh, that unless the Flamingo made a sizable return on their investment and fast, Bugsy Siegel would be forced to cash in his chips. The grace period granted was um, out of character for the mafia. Myers Lansky, his old friend, um, saved uh, who he'd saved years before during a shootout and numerous times, but like he kind of owed him his life from when yeah. they were growing up, pleaded on Siegel's behalf, buying his old friend some time, but not much. Alas, though the casino raked in $250,000 in profits within the first month of operating at full capacity, the mob was not impressed. On the night of June 20th... I think they just weren't impressed to start off with. They had already made the decision, but they were going to give him a month. Just There's a lot of... There's a lot... I think he was already... I think possibly they sent him out west because he had ties to L.A. And they were like, maybe you can just whatever. I think they were... The mob, I can, I think some of the older generation mobsters were like, this guy is like being like he's famous, and that's uh -huh. the last thing we want a mobster to be. Yeah, right. Um, you know, because he was, wanted to get into movies too, didn't he? Yeah, he. In yeah. fact, he he knew he knew several you know guys that were in the business, and like uh -huh. he actually organized uh, a union, uh, a and not 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 SAG, but he he organized a, a laborers union uh, in film and actually shut down a production on a film. You know, because on the hat, that's a whole other side right. story. Like Siegel, you know, had his hand in a lot of stuff. Um, so I think the mob was already just really uneasy with uneasy with having him around because yeah. they're like, God, he's so he's he's getting too powerful. He had a lot of fucking money, he had a lot of influence, and the mob didn't like it because that they had less control over him and but he had all their secrets. So I don't think it was just the casino. I think maybe somewhere in my own theory, in my movie, <laughs> they sent him to the West Coast to open this casino to have an excuse. Yeah. off him because they figure that's going to be the perfect temptation he's going to skim off the top which is you know against Everybody code does. and we're going to kill him or it'll fail or whatever and we'll still have a hotel at the end of it yeah right? which is exactly what happened so on the night of june 20th 1947 siegel was staying in the posh beverly hills home of his mistress virginia hill uh, who was then away on business around 10:45 p.m as he sat reading the la times from the comfort of a chintz sofa in the living room Benjamin Bugsy Siegel was shot and killed by an unknown assassin. The gunman took cover beneath a rose-trimmed pergola roughly 14 feet from the window and fired off nine shots from a 30 caliber rifle, four of which shunted uh, Siegel off the mortal coil. Instantly, one bullet went straight through his left eye. <sighs> minutes later in Las Vegas, and I mean minutes later in Las Vegas, a trio of Meyer Lansky's underlings swaggered into the Flamingo, declaring the resort was now under new management. Yeah. <laughs> um, and despite, this is kind of this a... This resort is under new management. Yeah. Um, despite Siegel's fame, his funeral was a really rushed affair, lasting only five minutes before he was plonked on the ground and attended mm -hmm. by a grand total of six people Ooh. and that's i mean people were everyone scared knew, like you know you don't go to, someone's been whacked by the mob you don't go to his funeral because he's persona non grata and it's like that's you don't want to yeah. so you know like people showed up if it's so obvious that they whacked him so yeah. obvious and there's a lot of theories as to who actually pulled the trigger but and there's Virginia very was little involved. there's yes. a lot of conspiracy about and there, that. there's a lot they think um there's there's some evidence to, to, to suggest that an ex-military sniper who had gotten in with the mob uh had gotten mm -hmm. in debt with the mob and they were going to forgive his debts of like 30 grand if he did it and he would have been and he was an expert in the kind of rifle that was used so he's one but i mean the fact is whoever pulled the trigger it was definitely the mob yeah. that ordered the hit like this was 
wasn't just yeah. you know an ex lover yeah. going meh. Um, yeah, no. If if she was involved, it's because they told yeah her to the mob be. was like, hey, you know, um, <laughs> you might want to be out of the house. You may want to. You might want to be out of town. Uh, you got business. Make get a new chin sofa that's yeah. like right near the window. Well, just, by the, just redecorate. Um, It'll be just fine. Just redecorate. Well, here, here, go buy yourself something nice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, allegedly, really, allegedly, <laughs> just in my movie. Um, well, not my movie. I didn't make the movie, but there is a movie mm-hmm. um, starring Warren Beatty. We've mm-hmm. covered that. Beverly Hills Police Chief Clinton H. Anderson is on record as having said, quote, we spend many man hours investigating the Siegel case and were convinced that he was killed by one of his own associates, but there was never sufficient evidence to pinpoint the identity of the assassin. Now, modern day Las Vegas, now the province of hospitality, uh, hospitality giants like the Hilton and Caesars, understandably prefers to downplay its historic ties to organized crime. After changing hands and names multiple times, over the last 70 years, the Flamingo underwent a $90 million makeover in 2018, Um, though the designer Forrest Perkins made liberal use of gold and pink to recapture the resort's glory days. The only trace of Siegel to be found on site is a modest memorial plaque in the Rose Garden, where the original once stood. Um, Siegel wasn't mentioned during the Flamingo's 50th anniversary soiree in 1997 either. As one columnist put it at the time, quote, the lesson here is that the, uh, the lesson that the life of Benjamin Bugsy Siegel imparts on us is that a killer with a good idea is after all, just another bum. (laughs) (laughs) Woo. Um, now, despite being given short shrift by the hotel's present day proprietors, according to some, Siegel's ghost maintains a close watch over the vanity project that ultimately claimed his life. In the four years prior to his assassination, Siegel lived and worked out of the hotel's sumptuous presidential suite. Those lucky enough at the tables to have stayed the night there uh, have since report uh, have since reported all manner of spooky goings on, uh, roving cold spots, mysteriously misplaced objects that turn up somewhere they damn well know they weren't left, disembodied voices, vanishing mm. personal effects, the works as the works as uh, Golden Era mob parlance would have it. Siegel's ghost has been seen numerous times in the living room of the Beverly Hills mansion where he paid the eternal pit boss. Witnesses uh, recount <laughs> being... the st- eternal pit boss. <laughs> That's mine. I made that I up. like it. Um, <laughs> witnesses... And I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Camling's just ripe with so many metaphors. Um, witnesses recount being startled by the sudden inexplicable appearance of a handsome, well-dressed man ducking for cover as if from a couch that no longer exists. The scene, they say, plays out in eerie silence like a movie without sound. The apparition comes and goes so quickly you scarcely have time to process what's going on before it dawns on you. These are the last moments of a 20th century criminal icon doomed to replay over and over again before stunned homeowners. At the Flamingo, however, Siegel's ghost isn't stuck on loop. A maid summarily quit after encountering encountering Siegel near the pool one evening in the late 90s. Uh, Quite a few see him milling about near the garden plaque, which I mentioned earlier. Uh, Witnesses have seen him gazing out of the window of the presidential suite, smirking in approval over the Valhalla his vision of Vegas has since become. And he's got to be satisfied by that, like I fucking told you guys. He entreats some visitors to a friendly game uh, of pool at the suite's wonderful billiards table. Um, others he surprises in the marble tile bathroom lounging in a monogram towel. All in all, <laughs> they say he looks content, as if pleased to trade the suite hereafter for eternity in the world's fourth largest hotel um, that has, as I said before, three hundred, like 3,500 fucking rooms. Um, yeah. Crime may not pay, but if a thief, extortionist, murderer, and all-around cad like Benjamin Bugsy Siegel gets to spend the afterlife enjoying five-star accommodations, I suppose the benefits are pretty good. Yeah, um, yeah. 
I wanted to mention, so we talked about the title of Last Call, um, which comes from the book by Tim Powers, and I really love what he does. So Tim Powers really uses the the Siegel murder and the, the Siegel myth mythos in to establish the, the atmosphere of the book, which is about a guy that, um, well, just you should read it, but it's about a, a career gambler who, let's just say, gets into a high stakes game of poker that there's a lot more involved than he bargained for. Gotcha. Um, and in, in Tim Powers' marvelous fantasy novel, Last Call, it uh, Siegel is featured as a kind of Fisher King. Um, his murder, the ritual sacrifice by which a magical rival attains control of Las Vegas. In Powers' universe, poker is a disguised version of tarot at which old school card sharks play for a shot at immortality. Arthurian archetypes lord over the criminal underworld. The dummies, used in the atomic bomb test for which Vegas became infamous in the 50s were in fact scapegoats meant to appease the supernatural forces governing chance and that it didn't oh. work. Um, and at one point, the protagonist even consults Bugsy Siegel's head, which resides at the bottom of Lake Mead, at least in Powers' universe, and right. offers advice on how to undo the story's villain. The thing about Tim Powers, and I'm going to just laud him for a moment because he's one of my favorite writers, of any, any genre. Like, he's just so good at creating this world. He's really awesome at doing his research on all these things and, mm -hmm. like, going, well, what if there's an alternate explanation for that? Like, and, yeah. and some of, there are some details about Siegel's death that are actually, you know, that are not invented at all that he goes, well, that could, you know, that is also, that's mar remarkably reminiscent of, you know, how you would do it if if you were slaying someone whose place you were going to take in this magical hierarchy, you know? Because right. he's using like the the sort of uh, the the divination tarot and all that kind of stuff, and it was like in the rose garden and all that, which uh -huh. is a symbol of kingship that he had, and the fact that Siegel had a mistress at the time, which gave his magical rival an in because he had kind of divided his power that way, and so oh. killing him would have been easier. Um, it's really interesting. In the, in the, in the book, the um, the villain is the guy that murdered Siegel, and he's the, but he's the father of the main character who had a kid just to kind of have a magical servant and uh, mm. abuses the kid and the kid runs away like the mom takes the kid away and then he grows up not really knowing who his father was and then as an older guy he's uh he's a career gambler down on his luck and he goes to Vegas only to find out that his father is like the now magical king of Vegas and oh. every every few decades he has to set up this uh this a poker game based on the tarot deck with people that like pay thousands of dollars uh, to take part and they have to go off um, off the they can't have it on land for magical reasons it has to be in the ocean so they go on one of these ships like the SS Rex uh -huh. and and go out and have it and so if you and he basically this guy's really good at cards and he cheats but in so doing he's able to like steal the bodies of people that he then inhabits uh, um so he can continue being the king of las vegas and uh, and so yeah it's a really good book but yeah he, cool. he talks about it, it i first became aware of Siegel's. it's uh, that's that book is how i first became aware of Siegel's involvement in the founding of las vegas yeah yeah so wow. fascinating stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. And there's even a scene in the book where, where the protagonist talks to Bugsy Siegel, like has a dream about him over a pool table. And they're like, he's talking to him and he's like, ah, and like Benny Goodman is playing in the background. And it's yeah. like, oh, it's so fucking cool. I mean, he was a sociopath and a murderer and all that, but man, style. So much style. So much style. What's the movie with Warren Beatty? I can't remember. I think it's just called, uh, isn't it just called Siegel or Bugsy? Bugsy? I think it's just Maybe called Bugsy. Bugsy. Yeah, I yeah. think. Yeah. It's yeah. just a it's just a biopic right. a biopic of uh, yeah. Bugsy Siegel. Yeah. And Annette Benning right. was in it too. Is that when they met or was that doing I think they knew each other before that. I feel like they've known each other for a long time. Well, they've been married for a while. Yeah. I think they met 
Maybe that, I don't know. I, you I, know, know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, anyway. But, so there it is. There's, it's a good there's story. The, the story like of it. Bugsy Siegel in Vegas. in Vegas. We'll there's, have to come back to Vegas we'll some other time Vegas. and do some yeah. more because there's a lot more. Maybe we should go to Vegas. And we should go on a ghost tour in Vegas and stay in the Flamingo and ask for the presidential suite. Yes. And then we'll just walk through Valley. I don't know if it's been redecorated in a while, but it's it's the de- it's, well we'll see if any well, rooms have only been half ones. redecorated we'll know what's up <gasps> no! <laughs> no! no no well thank you for your story you are so welcome i uh i i dove deep on that one and no i kidding. couldn't stop myself Mm. so Mm, mm, mm. yes but um also you know everybody thank you for listening uh we will both be in colorado springs yeah august 23rd through 25th right 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 so weekend then i guess it would be this coming weekend we gotta find a ghost tour well no we're going to you know there's gonna be there's this i've been on one in denver so there's got to be one in colorado springs i just heard that lieutenant joe kenda is from colorado springs and that makes me very excited. Who is that? <gasps> Lieutenant Joe Kenda, you don't know him? No, who is that? I feel like I should know. I don't. I, oh my gosh. Maybe I'll know what you say, but the he name. He does like homicide. He's like a homicide detective. Uh-huh. And they do reenactments of his um, like murder investigations. Mm-hmm. And the guy that plays the younger version of him is like wigging hot. And, <laughs> and he's just so, he's so awesome. Like, he, he just the way he delivers his lines oh and God, yes. he's like oh yeah I thought he was good for that which generally means that's the guy that killed him he'll be like yeah I thought he was good for it I, I like the odds him. on that guy yeah exactly and that's murderer. kind of how he talks and he's no nonsense and he's like this hardwired cop and uh, women are are crazy about him we all everybody I know that has I... mentioned him is like oh, I fucking love him oh my Okay. Yeah, I didn't wanna... know that he's from there. That was exciting. I found Where that can out. I find him? What what show is it on? Which is it a it's, particular show or is it just on a bunch it's of a show? I, I can't remember what it's called, but it's with you know. It's one of those true crime Joe shows. Kenta. Yeah, yeah, okay. it's really good. Um, and now I'm mm. like, did I say his name wrong? But I think that's right. Uh, so anyway, anyway, we'll be in Colorado Springs. <laughs> if you guys want to come say hi to us, we're not doing a podcast there. I don't think we're just gonna. No, be. no, no. We're just we're visiting, we're be hanging out for for the stuff. Convention, Colorado stuff. Springs Comic Con. <laughs> that's where we will be. Um, and do you have anything else? No, that's all. I'm about to be at a convention myself this weekend, but I'll be back by the time this airs. airs. So does you no good to hear? No. No. All right. Uh, Well, thank you guys for listening. Until next time, remember, it's it's okay okay to sleep sleep with the lights lights on. on.